the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's Monday, November the 15th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on November 15, 1942, the naval battle at Guadalcanal ended during World War II with a decisive U.S. victory over the Japanese forces. Today, in 1626, the Pilgrim Fathers, who settled in New Plymouth, they bought out their London investors. You may know that people in London and England invested in some of the pilgrims that came out here, the first people that came to America, and they invested in them as a business venture, and that's how they bought their boats and bought their fare to get out here and made the trip and established their colonies and so on. Well, by 1626, the Pilgrim Fathers had felt it was time to buy out their London investors. Today in 1777, the Second Continental Congress approved the Articles of Confederation. Today in 1805, Lewis and Clark reached the mouth of the Columbia River. Didn't like it here. I've mentioned that before on this program when we talk about Lewis and Clark from time to time. They didn't like it. The winter was particularly rainy and windy and blustery, and they said it wasn't fit for man or beast to live here. Today in 1806, explorer Zebulon Pike, he sighted a tall mountaintop off in the distance in the Rockies. We know it as Pike's Peak in present-day Colorado. Today in 1864, during the Civil War, Union forces led by Major General William Tecumseh Sherman they began their march to the sea from Atlanta. The campaign ended with a capture of Savannah on December the 21st. Today, in 1937, at the U.S. Capitol, members of the House and Senate met in air-conditioned chambers for the first time. 1937. Did you have air conditioning or your family have air conditioning in 1937? I didn't think so. Our public servants take care of themselves, don't they? Today in 1939, President Franklin D. Roosevelt laid the cornerstone of the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. Today in 1969, a quarter of a million protesters staged a demonstration in Washington, D.C. against the Vietnam War. And five years ago today, President Barack Obama opening his final overseas trip. While he was in office, he acknowledged in Athens, Greece that yes, he was surprised by Donald Trump's victory. And he said the reason that Donald Trump got elected was because of the deep-seated anxieties among working-class Americans. And the government needed to do a better job of addressing their anxieties. <clears throat> you let that thing, uh, sink in for a few minutes. That pretty well sums it all up, doesn't it? It's... Us and them, where the progressives are concerned. And if we have a problem, it's an anxiety problem, 
and the government has failed to manage our anxieties. That's pretty much how they think. That's why I could politically never, ever be on that side, and and I can never, ever figure out, and it's probably just me, I'm probably not smart enough to figure it out, but I cannot figure out how people who claim to be evangelical Christians believe the Bible, believe in the Word of God, love Jesus, have accepted Jesus as their Savior, can vote for that kind of a political agenda. And every time they vote for Hillary or Joe Biden or whomever, Barack Obama, they are advancing that kind of thinking. How do you do that when you claim to have a biblical perspective or biblical worldview? I don't know the answer to that. I guess you just do it blindly. I don't know. But boy, I would encourage you, if you're listening, and that I'm sort of pushing on you a little bit, give it some thought and some prayer. I'm not advocating for any political party. I'm advocating for common sense and being faithful to to God as he is faithful to us. And I don't know how that works, but it seems every election we find that seven to eight to nine, sometimes million self-professing, self-identified evangelicals vote for these people. And I don't, for the life of me, I can't figure it out. Anyway, we'll we'll move on. I got this note with a um, contribution online uh, yesterday. It says, hi, Gary. One of the biggest, there's a message box if you've contributed online at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. You know you fill in a little information there and you're, you just do a credit card or debit card or whatever. And um, there's a message box there. And sometimes people send messages to me, sometimes just a, a word or two, and sometimes a little bit longer. This person is a regular donor. I don't know her, but I recognize her name. And she's a regular uh, contributor to us each month. And she wrote in the in, her, in the box, in the message box, uh, in her contribution yesterday. She said, Hi, Gary. One of the biggest needs for your program is to make it available on your website. Unless I go to an out-of-state radio station, I can only hear you on weekdays at 11.30 a.m. That would be the Seattle station. She said, I can't pass on a link to friends. I can only tell them to tune in online to KG, KGNW 820 a.m. It's just not very convenient. I love your show. Make every effort to hear it, but it's hit and miss. I'm sure you've thought about it, and it must be an expensive proposition. Perhaps you could mention the need to in one of your messages. God may move others to step up and to make it happen. Just my thoughts. Keep up the good fight. May God continue to bless with courage and truth. Well, thank you. And I I um, appreciate those kinds of insights and suggestions, especially from the people who support us. There's a group of people who don't support us who have all kinds of suggestions. One would be that I would go away and never be heard from again. But nonetheless, um, thank you for that. And yeah, we have been considering that. <clears throat> and I get that quite often from people who just say, you know, I I, I can't, I, I want to listen to your program and I can't get it at the time it's on in my particular area on the radio. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, any chance you could, you know, put it on your website or whatever. 
Well, we have been thinking about that, and we're looking into it. And, yes, it does cost money. Everything costs money. And um, I have been uh, told in advance that I know, you know, it's that last drink of coffee. Should not have done that this morning, but, boy, it was good. Anyway, we have been um, hearing that from a number of people who say that, you know, they, they can't regularly listen, but they want to at the time that it's on the radio. So they they are suggesting that is there any way you can, you know, accommodate that? We'd just love to listen to you every day and so on. And we have been looking into that. And, yeah, it costs money. And we have been recently uh, alerted that the, our airtime prices on several stations are going to be going up in January. Uh, so we're looking at that as well. And, uh, you know, just put it before the Lord and before you guys, and um, you're kind of part of this in a big way, and uh, we'll decide what we do going forward. But nonetheless, uh, that is a very valid suggestion, and thank you for that. And um, again, thank you to all of you who support us, and I welcome your suggestions. We can't do everything, so don't be offended if we don't do what you say, but uh, I certainly take a look at it personally. So thank you, and thank you for your support. We need it. Uh, these are kind of turbulent times, up and down and so on. So thank you for standing with us. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can contribute online, as I said, at faithandfreedom.us. Facebook has become meta. And you say, who cares? And I say, Zuckerberg is in the process of becoming a little god. I want to talk to you about that a little bit today because deception, sin, and undermining, and just an attack on what is good and right and moral, most often is incremental. I remember when we were fighting the battle over the definition of marriage in Washington State a number of years ago now. I wasn't certainly the only one advocating. I can tell you many, many, many were advocating for marriage. But the group of leadership had asked me to be particularly the point person for the press because I knew some of the guys in the press at that time and still do. And some of them that I knew didn't agree with me at all, but I knew them and they knew me from particularly from my days with our television show. It was on for 12 years daily. So I got to know some of those guys, and they were still around. So anyway, I was kind of the point guy, and I would talk to the press a lot. Well, in that process, uh, the Seattle Times and uh, Cairo Radio, some on Cairo Radio, uh, Dave Ross used to like to take me on a little bit from time to time, and others. And so... um, (laughs) I remember the Seattle Times wrote an article and they showed that we had failed and consequently that Gary had failed, sort of a, that kind of an article. And in that, which is fine, I don't, I don't mind that at all. But in that, they interviewed Ed Murray, who had been a senator and later became mayor of Seattle and then left, you know, in disgrace because it was shown that he'd had multiple sexual affairs with little boys and so on. It was pathetic. But anyway, he told the Seattle Times and they published it quite with a lot of pomp and circumstance, actually. 
he said, you know, they said, how did you do this? How did you win this? How did you redefine marriage? Because he was kind of the leader in the Senate. He was the leader. And he made this statement. He said, well, we've learned that if you do things incrementally, you can get them done. He said, if you try to do the whole thing at once, people will reject it because they, they will not accept that kind of change. But he said, if you do it incrementally, you can get it done. And he said, that's what we've done. We've just been faithful to our, our, our cause and our vision. And he said, we wanted to redefine marriage, and now we have succeeded. So that's how we were able to succeed over these Christians or whatever. I want to talk to you a little bit about incrementalism today. And I want to talk to you about something that does affect your life, even if you are not online or on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Millions are. But even if you're not, this has a direct impact on your life. And that's why I've chosen to talk about it a little bit today. The Judeo-Christian faith, our faith, begins with the reality that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we can dispute that, and some do, and they say, oh, no, it, it's a big bang, or it just evolves over billions of years. And they do it seriously. I don't know if they believe it or not, but they do it seriously. But for most thinking people, and particularly Christians, we believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In his last announcement, Mark Zuckerberg, who created Facebook, his reality is that he's going to move beyond Facebook with an alternative reality to real life that encompasses a utopian life that, among other things, will one day let you show up in a virtual space as a full-bodied avatar or as a hologram of yourself in a real world, like a living room of a friend who lives on the other side of the planet. He said it will be as though you were there. It'll be virtual reality. Well, the questions are plentiful about it. Why is he doing this? Can he actually do this? The answer to that one is, is yeah, he, he's on the cusp of being able to do that with the technology we have. And then we ask, well, what does this mean to me? Why, why should I care what he's doing? You know, he's worth, I don't know what, $100 billion, whatever it is. Why should I care what he does? Well, a couple of weeks ago, Zuckerberg announced that he was changing the name of the company. Facebook won't be Facebook anymore. It's Meta. Meta is a Greek word that means beyond. Meta is an effort to encompass, in his world, its virtual reality vision for the future, what Zuckerberg calls the metaverse. ABC News is talking about this, so is CBS and so is NBC. ABC News suggested he's reacting to the shadow of mounting controversies arising from a bunch of leaked internal documents and emails that paint a very different picture of Facebook than just a nice guy sitting at the top of it who really wants to bring the world together. And that's a pretty correct assessment in my, in my view. But anyway, it's, he's not the person, nor is Jack Dorsey of Twitter, Twitter and so on. They're not the people that they appear to be when they sit in front of Congress and the congressmen look at them, our elected public officials, and they look at them and they rant and rave and pound their, their fist on the desk and say, you can't do this. You're, you know, you're removing conservative comments and, and Christian comments from your websites and so on and so on. And, and they're right. 
And these guys look at him and say, well, we just, we're not going to have that. We are for fairness and equality and equity and blah, blah, blah. They get on their private jet and go back to Cupertino or wherever they live, and they laugh. And nothing changes. And that's the problem. They know it, and our public servants know it. They go through this charade about twice a year, and nothing happens. Former Facebook employee turned whistleblower, this Francis Hagen, released a ton of internal documents after leaving the company that reveal how Facebook ignored and downplayed internal warnings about the negative and often harmful consequences of their algorithms. That's wreaked all over the world, but I'm specifically interested in the United States. Facebook is still the world's largest social media platform. On December 1st, just some days away now, a couple of weeks, on December 1st, Facebook shares will begin trading under a new ticker symbol, MVRS. So why is Zuckerberg really doing this? Well, the media can speculate, and they are, but in a lengthy letter, and I don't have time to read even part of it today on the program, but I wrote an article about this part of what I'm talking about today, and I linked to that letter, lengthy, lengthy letter. And he, But in the letter, he lays out his vision. What I wrote, the article, is on our website, faithandfreedom.us. But he lays out his vision, and I want to just extract a couple of little paragraphs from it here. He says, in regards to his metaverse, you live in a universe, but he is creating a metaverse. He said, quote, think of it as an Internet brought to life, or at least rendered in 3D. He describes it as a virtual environment you can go inside of. Instead of just looking at at it on a screen, Essentially, it's a world of endless, interconnected virtual communities where people can meet, work, and play using virtual headsets, augmented reality glasses, smartphone apps, and other devices. That's from his letter. A recent demo on Facebook suggests that the company may someday allow virtual chess games across the world via holograms. In other words, you reproduce yourself and electronically you are somewhere else. Some of the artists, music, you know, singers, artists are already doing that in concerts. Zuckerberg is not the only one that is dreaming this dream, but he is the main one. Earlier this year, a metaverse focused fund, it's called the Round Hill Ball Metaverse ETF. They began trading on the New York Stock Exchange, and people are investing money in it. They're using the ticker symbol META, which has forced Facebook to use MVRS, the symbol, instead. And you'll see that when they come out on December 1st, if you follow the stock market or if you have maybe some money invested or whatever. But the metaverse, as an idea, isn't new. But Zuckerberg has the, the money, billions and billions and billions of dollars, and the technology to thrust this into the mainstream conversation and start talking about his plans as reality and begin spending, and he has already, spending tens of billions of dollars in development that the general public has started paying attention to it. And I'm talking about it today because I think it's something we as Christians need to be aware of because Facebook is pervasive.
social media is. But I keep hearing, well, nobody's on Facebook anymore. Well, they are. There's over a million people on there, and you put Instagram along with it because it's a companion. I mean, it's dominant in the world. There's no other social media platform that has the reach that that one does. So anyway, this idea that he has is not really new. It was found in Snow Crash. That's a novel, kind of a dystopian novel from the 1990s. In the novel, just very briefly, in the novel, the whole story bases around the people that, around the idea that people are fleeing their crumbling real world because it is collapsing. And they are rushing to this to be fully immersed in a virtual one. While he acknowledges that the origins of the word are a con in this snow crash, he is trying to reclaim the idea, the metaverse, as a utopian idea that will unlock this whole new alternative world in which people can live. I know you say, Gary, nobody believes that. Yes, they do. And they're investing billions of dollars in it. The software underpinning for this, Zuckerberg says, is called Horizon. And he said it's kind of a knockoff of something that parents probably would know about. It's a knockoff. It's something like Minecraft and Roblox, but it's different. And I'm not suggesting Minecraft. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying Minecraft and Roblox are involved with Zuckerberg's venture. I'm just saying it's that kind of technology on steroids. There's a lot more regarding software. And again, I linked to some of that if you care about more of the detail. But here's why it's important to Christians. First of all, many Christians around the world are on Facebook. I I have there people on my Facebook, and I, I'm not active on it, but it's there from Africa. I mean, I've known their father when I was out there and their families when I was in Africa and Asia and all over the place. I mean, it really is connects a lot of people. It does a lot of harm, but it does connect a lot of people. And they are in the process with this of, of Zuckerberg is trying to use that interconnectedness of people on his social media platform to remake the world. And in the process of it, he is becoming a little God, not God, but a little God. So be careful. But secondly, Zuckerberg and his warriors are playing to the anxieties of the world. The nearly two-year-old COVID pandemic that we're all suffering through here is it's created all kinds of mental and emotional stress and depression. There's no question about that. And confusion. The political and cultural structure of the world is getting very shaky for several reasons. One of the main reasons is that America is no longer leading because we have no leadership. There's a man there that doesn't know where he is a lot of the time. And I, honestly, I would say that if he were a Republican, an Independent, or a Democrat. I mean, the guy is incapable. And and the one heartbeat away is a woman who is hysterical. She's laughing and yucking. And I mean, she's supposedly ready to step in as the leader of the free world. If Joe Biden fails, if his heart skips a beat or whatever. I mean, there's reason for people to be anxiety-ridden in America today and in the world, because whether or not our country has been loved or hated by some of the people around the world, they have always recognized that the United States has typically led. Now there's a vacuum. There's no leadership in America, and consequently, 
There's no leadership in the free world. China loves it. Before Snow Crash, the novel in the 1990s, philosopher Robert Nozick, he proposed a thought experiment that he called the experience machine. He was actually trying to challenge hedonism and show how silly this kind of alternative thinking really was. This was in 1974. In it, Nozak said that he would he would stimulate in our brains with his machine all the best experiences that we could imagine. He assumed that ultimately people would choose the real experience over the fake experience. But in the end, and this was very primitive back in 1974, technologically, in the end, he discovered that no, they preferred the, the fake experience over the real experience because they could manipulate it and make it just however they wanted to make it through their the very you know very early kinds of programming and stuff he believed that people still wanted an experience bigger and more real than a machine made experience could provide but he was wrong all right fast forward a half century now john stone street is the president at the colson center chuck colson center for christian worldview he says one glaring problem he read about this and he was talking about it uh, over, i think it was friday He said one glaring problem with the metaverse idea is that it encourages us, at least implicitly, to forget about our bodies. This is something made possible by pre-existing condition. One irony of the sexual revolution, Stone Street says, is that by making bodily pleasure a central object of our worship, we treat the body as if it can be remade and molded into whatever our minds choose. Well, can you say sexual orientation? I look like a man biologically I am a man, but I'm not a man because I identify as a woman. And if you just tuned in, no, I don't believe that. I'm just making a point. But that's what he's talking about. He says, one irony of the sexual revolution is that by making bodily pleasure a central object of our worship, we treat the body as if we can be remade and remolded into whatever our minds choose. In such a world, it's essential to remind each other that we are not just minds or feelings. Our bodies are much more than mere tools that serve or get in the way of our experience in the world. And that's what Zuckerberg is saying. That's his case. Stone Tree says we worship as bodies and with our bodies. He said we serve others as bodies, with our bodies, we, with our hands, with our feet, with our minds, with our resources. He said we make new people um, who are in no small part bodies with our bodies. Genetic procreation. God secured our salvation, he notes, by becoming flesh and dwelling among us. He says, discernment on this front is crucial because culture often changes subtly. The metaverse isn't going to be theoretical one day and then full reality the next. If it happens, it will happen by degrees. And the process of acceptance is already in place. Technology makes us, technology makes us something more convenient. We embrace it. Before long, what is convenient becomes avoidable, then necessary. If we personally opt out of the thing, it can still become an essential part of the culture waters in which we swim. Then he says, you may not have a Facebook account today, but Facebook is an integral part of how the worlds of commerce, politics, education, and to a degree, even personal relationships now work. We're closer 
today than we were in 1974, that's for sure. Remember George Barna's example of the frog in the kettle, comfortable and half asleep as they turned up the heat? I think that best characterizes where we are today. So what do we do? We must be informed. That's why we do what we do on this program. And we must keep our attention on the Lord and his word. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.